Blog Talk Radio. What we need is some sort of revolution. Pain and greed, there's gotta be retribution. Do we all just run and Hello and welcome. This is episode nine of the Staying Forth podcast. This is Sean Kernahan, joined as always by Torsten Sporn. And we are going to dive into fantasy baseball season. The pitchers and catchers have reported. There are ball players on the on the backfields, and it is time to get ready for fantasy baseball. Torsten, are you ready for baseball season? I think I was ready since uh, the day after the World Series ended. To be honest with you. Yeah, I was lucky enough that you know the World Series ended, and I still had a little bit of there's and a fall league going on, so I was still in some fields. Uh, and then I went through a serious um, withdrawals, uh, but it was finally cured recently as I've been on some fields for a couple of college baseball tournaments. But uh, I got to see a couple of uh, Royals bullpens the other day, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll go ahead and start. We'll do a series of uh, our takes on the fantasy baseball. Um, we're going to start with the starting pitchers. Uh, we're not going to go through rankings uh, like you might find in other shows. But we're going to go ahead and take a look at some guys that are overrated, some guys that are underrated, some prime to be complete uh, breakouts, and others who are going to completely fall off a cliff this year. And then we might take a look at a, a rookie or two that we each like. Torsten, um, when you're looking at the starting pitchers, what kind of what, who do you look at when you first look at a list and say, this guy is way lower on down the list than I expect, than I had anticipated? I consider this guy underrated. Well, there's a few guys. Um, you look at the top pitchers in Major League Baseball. Or let's look at National League only, and uh, there's going to be a couple of things these guys have in common here. If you want to look at the best pitchers in the, pitchers in the National League, uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to top the list. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, after his World Series performance, is going to be up there, and you're always going to have Adam Wainwright and guys like that. But I think a guy who's going to provide excellent value way far down in the draft from the starting pitcher position is the Pittsburgh Pirates, Francisco Liriano. Um, if you look at the way that he performed towards the end of last season, he was as good as any well, lefty starting pitcher, but starting pitcher overall. He uh, found the strike zone. His strikeout numbers were off the charts. He was uh, pretty much a strikeout in inning, which is great for a starter. The Pittsburgh Pirates are a good team, and uh, he's going to be available way way later in drafts than you would expect a guy with that kind of return to give you. I don't know what his win numbers are going to be like uh, this season. I'm not sure that uh, the Pirates, with the loss of Russ Martin um, to the Toronto Blue Jays, I don't know if the staff is going to be quite as effective. Uh, as a Dodger fan, I can tell you that Russell Martin, as their catcher before he went to the Yankees and then the Pirates, uh, he was—he has his warts and he's not perfect, but he does do wonders for a pitching staff. And uh, Liriano really seemed to thrive throwing to him at the end of last season. And uh, he'll never be what they originally expected him to be as a Twins prospect, uh, but uh, he uh, he's borderline ace potential up there. And for where you're going to get him in your fantasy draft, he's going to provide great return. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm looking at the ESPN uh, Points League cheat sheet, and they got Francisco Liriano as the 49th starting pitcher and uh, 209th pitcher overall. Uh, one ahead of Michael Walker, sitting behind guys like uh, 
uh, Alex Wood, uh, R.A. Dickey, you know, Matt Latos. Uh, Liriana is somebody who he's not going to put – he's not flashy anymore. When he first came up with the Twins, he was what he was just, you know, could really blow people away. Uh, but he's now more just a smart pitcher. You know, in fantasy, he's going to be able to get the strikeouts. He's not going to walk a whole lot of guys. Um, and he – I think the Pirates are good enough that he'll, he'll get the win, so he'll, he'll – help you in both Roto and uh, points leagues. Um, I do like that. I think he's a little bit underrated. Um, since you're starting down at around 50, I'm going to go ahead and start off even lower than that. And uh, I'm actually going to break one of my – my. Uh, the, I, I avoid the Yankees at all costs when I talk fantasy baseball. But I'm actually going to pick an, uh, a Yankee as an underrated player for my first guy that's underrated. Um and this guy came over from Miami in the off season. Uh, I believe he had, if not the fastest, it was in the top five, the hardest fastball, uh, the average fastball in the league last year for among starting pitchers, and that's Nathan Eovaldi. Eovaldi uh, can absolutely sling it. He's got an, a cannon of an arm. Um, he had 142 strikeouts last year. Uh, his ERA was up in the fours. You know, he had a losing record, all of that, but he has potentially get you there. And, uh, and you know, if you're, especially in a weekly league, a weekly points league, and you're sitting there and you you need somebody to just put up a, a big game for you, you have all these type of guys that will do it. Uh, he's not going to be the most consistent of guys, but if you're sitting there and you're looking at, you know, round – 25 of a draft, somebody like this, I think, could go in the top 20 rounds and, and still provide value for I agree 100%. Yavaldi's upside is huge, and I remember, you know, obviously being a Dodger fan, I remember him coming up as a prospect and uh, really impressing, not necessarily with the numbers, with the potential. You know, like you said, his average fastball was up there in the mid to high 90s, and that's just ridiculous. I, I, I like that I like that choice, especially, uh, you know, he's not a guy that was actually on my radar when I was compiling my notes for this podcast. But uh, I uh, I agree 100%. He should have been on my radar. Uh, where you're going to get him towards the very end, when you're looking for, you know, high potential, low risk candidates, you take a guy like, you know, in the 25th, 27th, 19th, 23rd, whatever round, you're not expecting a superstar. You're not going to get Max Scherzer in the 23rd round. But if you want a guy who can give you the occasional Max Scherzer-type game, you know, eight innings, three hits, 13 strikeouts, and a win, Yuvaldi is certainly the type of guy that can do that. I agree with that choice with you. Uh, I agree with you on that choice 100%. And uh, on that note, I would like to move into one of the other guys that I think is going to be a great value. And a lot of it has to do with the fact of how much the team around him has improved. Um, I'll give you a hint. He's on the San Diego Padres. Would you like to take a guess? Um, if I've got an underrated next to Tyson Ross. Is that who you're thinking of? No, I was thinking Ian Kennedy. Because, oh. uh, now, granted, I hate this guy because he's a headhunter, and I don't think there's any place for that in baseball. But this is not church. This is fantasy baseball, and people are spending money to compete in leagues. And if you want a guy who's going to get you some strikeouts, who's going to get you innings pitched, 
and there are leagues out there that give you points for innings pitched. Uh, he's going to get some wins because the Padres have gone out and they've gotten Matt Kemp. They've gotten Will Myers. They've drastically improved that team. They signed James Shields to be the ace, so Ian Kennedy isn't expected to be that number one guy. So he's not going to be going against the guys like Kershaw, like Wainwright, like Scherzer. He's going to be going against other teams' number three guys when things line up properly. And, you know, he's a guy that not that long ago won 21 games with a not-that-great Arizona team. He's got the talent, the stuff uh, to do it. And I don't like the guy, but he's going to be around later in drafts than you might expect. And if he's there after when you're trying to fill in those last couple spots in your rotation, you got to grab him because the other guys that are around there are, don't have nearly the upside. He could win, you know, upwards of 16, 17 games this season. I really believe that. Yeah, Ian Kennedy, is, especially with that ballpark and that new offense, um, the Padres are going to be a much, a much improved team, and Ian Kennedy can certainly um, put up some good numbers. He, I agree with you. He's the type of guy that uh, we both kind of had uh, some things to say about him and the way he approaches the game of baseball. But in the end, he puts up uh, the numbers. Um, my second underrated guy. It's kind of hard to call this guy underrated because he's ranked so high. But he's the th- ranked uh, as the third best uh, pitcher on his own team. However, he's in the top 15 of all pitchers. And I, I'm, you know, I think that his floor is the highest. Uh, uh, Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg are the, you know, ace, absolute phenomenal talents, but they could also have complete blow-ups of years. I, I think that Jordan Zimmerman um, is one of those guys that you need – if you put him on your team and he's your number one or your number two pitcher, you are – that's about as safe as a top-level uh, pitcher as you're going to get. And I don't think he gets the credit he deserves there. Oh, absolutely. He's a fantastic pitcher. Um, I uh, He's not a guy that I would go high on. Um and I generally, when uh, with your picks, when especially when it comes to fantasy, because you're an excellent fantasy player, regardless of the sport, I agree with about 95% of your picks. I don't agree 100% with this one. I think that uh, his strikeout totals are a little bit low for me, and uh, I think that he his uh, you know fielding independent pitching and his batting average on balls in play last year was a little bit lucky. You know, and it's, you know, obviously he threw a no-hitter. And, you know, never mind the spectacular catch by Steven Sousa. That was a beautifully pitched game. But I think that was a little bit more of the anomaly than it was the norm. I think that he's a good pitcher. But as far as, you know, unless if if you're in a league where wins are ranked highly, if you're in a points league and you get 10 points a win or something like that and you get bonuses for innings pitched and quality starts, yeah, he's definitely a guy that you want to target. But, you know, if strikeouts are valued, um, it's uh, he—he's probably. I would venture to say he's ranked accurately in most uh, in most uh, draft prognostications. Um, quick question: Are we uh, are we going to do one more uh, super value guy, or are we moving on to a different category? No, let's go on to move a different category. And before we go there, just want to say, you know, it's okay to disagree with me. You don't have to think I'm 100 percent right all the time. If we disagree all the time, it makes for a very boring podcast. We need to start arguing a little bit. 
Um, Seriously, you're a dick, by the way, for not inviting me to your uh, to you and Brandy's baby shower. By the way, I would like to say for everybody listening, which is probably about three of you, um, we got a invitation in the mail. Now, Sean and I have been friends for years. It's probably been about seven or eight years now. We were friends long before we started this podcast. And uh, Sean and his uh, his soon to be wife are expecting a baby, and it's wonderful news. And everybody who knows anything about it is super thrilled about it. And uh, my wife who uh, is also friends with Sean and Brandy, but, you know, through me, got an invitation in the mail. And she's like, oh, look, uh, we got an invitation for uh, Sean and Brandy's baby shower. And uh, it was only her name on it. And I was a little bitter. So uh, there's your argument for today's podcast. Yeah, well, you know, baby showers typically directed towards females. We're the baseball steam baby shower. Maybe we can do a on-location uh, podcast, uh, you know, to get away from that madness. Um, <laughs> play by play of the baby shower games, we're doing it. Mark yeah, the let's not let's not do that one. That'll take us from three listeners to about negative ten. Uh, <laughs> who do you have as somebody who's completely uh, overrated uh, as a starting pitcher in fantasy baseball this year? Well, um, I would look, before I say this guy's name, I want to say that he's overrated for fantasy purposes only and not in terms of ability. Um, the number one guy on my list as far as dudes I'm going to avoid drafting for starting pitchers is Cole Hamels. Uh, he's without a doubt, talent-wise, a number one, competitive-wise, a number one. But the Phillies are crap this year. Um, and, I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for the Phillies organization. I think that... You know, by and large, they treat their players well. They treat their opponents well. When Josh Beckett threw a no-hitter there last season, you know, they they presented him with the pitching rubber, and that wasn't stuff that was prompted by the Dodger organization. That was the Phillies just being a class act. But, you know, GM Ruben Amaro has really botched the rebuilding process over there in Philadelphia. And, you know, he's asking for way too much for guys like Ryan Howard and Chase Utley, you know, quality veterans that can still produce for a contending team but they can't really be the centerpieces anymore. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that team loses close to 100 games, even with a guy as talented as Cole Hamels fronting the rotation. He wants out. He's pretty much said so in social media. And, uh, you know, I, I, he's too much of a competitor, I think, to throw in the towel. But, you know, uh, I, I just don't see him getting a lot of wins. There's going to be distractions. There's rumors already, you know, about him going to the Red Sox or, you know, going to the Dodgers or going someplace else to a contending team. And if that trade happens before the start of the season, I'm rescinding everything I just said. If he gets traded to a contender, I think he wins 20 to 22 games and is a legitimate frontline fantasy guy. But for where he's going to go in your fantasy draft, you can get guys four to six rounds later. They're going to put up similar numbers this year with just slightly lower strikeout totals. So I would say... You know, unless you're getting him far below his average draft position, avoid Cole Hamels. Yeah, the only thing is for Cole Hamels is if you're drafting, to me, if you're drafting Cole Hamels high, you're drafting him expecting him to be on the move at some point. Uh, it all depends on when your draft is and when you expect him to be moved. If, you know, if you're, you're banking on the July uh, trade for Cole Hamels or, or if you're uh, drafting late in the in the spring, and he's traded beforehand, um, you know, I think that would be – he'd be fine then. Uh, I don't think that the Phillies are going to have a very good defensive team. Um, they, you know, they just 
they're not going to be a good team. They might very well should be the worst team in the league and should win and should lose a hundred games this year. Uh, so as far as you know, the wins and the ERA, the ERA will be a little bit inflated, um, and he will not have the wins you want from an elite pitcher. But I, when I look at Cole Hamels on a list on the draft list, I'm not going to touch him just because banking on the trade is too, is too scary. So with that aspect, I think he is underrated. But if he does get traded, I think, like you said, you would rescind this uh, that for him. And I think that it's just too hard to call him uh, overrated uh, if he, you know, just with the possibility of him being traded to a contending team. For me, it's a guy who is in a new new ballpark. Um, it's a good pitching park. It's a completely revamped team. And it's unless your league completely uh, rewards you for innings pitched, uh, I got to go with Jamie, not James, Shields. Uh, I say Jamie, not James, because I've known uh, him since uh, back in high school when he went by Jamie and kept with Jamie for a long time. Uh, so I have a hard time calling him James Shields, but you know, with him in San Diego now, it, 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 he'll, I think he is a better real life pitcher than he is a fantasy pitcher. He is an innings eater, uh, can really give you a great game, gave the ground balls, you know, in a tight spot, get you, a few, get you some strikeouts, but he's not going to put up, you know, league leading strikeout numbers. Um, he's not going to have the greatest of ERAs. Everything he does is going to be based on innings pitched. I also think that at some point the innings pitch is going to catch up to him. And that ticking time bomb mixed with his value tied to innings pitched uh, makes me shy off having to pick him, uh, you know, in the top five or six rounds of of a fantasy baseball draft. You're absolutely right. Uh, He's uh, he's a very good pitcher. But, you know, this is not, you know, fantasy baseball is a vacuum. You know, it's there. There's correspondences between quality pitchers and quality fantasy guys, but you know, there there's a far greater list of guys who provide outstanding value to the teams that they're pitching for in Major League Baseball, but don't offer you a whole lot from a fantasy perspective. Not to draw an unreasonable comparison, because James Shields obviously has a way higher ceiling than this guy. But, you know, Tommy John surgery notwithstanding, Bronson Arroyo could pitch for my Major League Baseball team any day of the week. If you need a guy who can go out there and get you, you know, six, seven innings to start and sort of keep you in the game, um, you can bank on him. And because he's never relied on velocity, he could probably do it until he's 50. But you'd never want that guy on your fantasy team because his whip is never going to be all that good. He's never going to strike out a whole lot of guys. And he won't get a ton of wins. You know, and uh, in a, a... Again, not to make an unreasonable comparison, but James Shields is kind of like that guy. You know, he's not going to strike out. He's going to average maybe you know seven innings, uh, seven strikeouts per nine innings pitched. And you know, there's uh, for all the value that he brings to a major league pitching staff, uh, he's not the guy that's going to win you a fantasy league. I think his numbers will probably uptick a little bit because Petco is a great pitcher's park. But uh, I think your analysis is is pretty spot on there. He's not he's he's not a guy that's going to win you any fantasy leagues. Um, a, another guy that I think is going to be overvalued, and this might sound like it's going to be a little bit odd because he had practically negligible value last year and it was injury related. 
and he's not that far removed from a Cy Young uh, award, but that's San Francisco Giants right-hander Matt Cain. Um, he uh, had some, you know, some pretty serious arm issues, and uh, but I think that people are going to look at the fact that he won a Cy Young as recently as like three years ago or four years ago. He threw 230 innings, struck out a bunch of guys, and the San Francisco Giants are a spectacularly good baseball team, top to bottom. They don't have a whole lot as far as superstar power, but they have a wonderful manager. They have a great bullpen. Uh, probably for my money, you know, never mind, you know, statistically with, with everything, but for my money, the best bullpen in Major League Baseball. They're the World Series champs. He's coming back after getting, you know, healthy. I think people are going to expect big things from Matt Cain. But the bottom line is he's been around a long time now. There's a lot of miles on that arm. And uh, he's not going to be one of those guys, in my opinion, that comes back from an injury better than ever. I think he's going to come back from the injury and be okay and serviceable, but not a guy that puts up big numbers. What do you think about Matt? Yeah. um, The Giants, I'm interested to see how they're going to be. Every year they come out and you look at them and, you know, they're kind of underwhelming, and then they they win a World Series every other year. Uh, they're very much the, the uh, spurs of of MLB. No, oh, that's for a me, perfect analysis right there. For me, um, my last underrated guy, or overrated guy, sorry, um, you can essentially take everything you just said except for replace Cy Young with Rookie of the Year and replace good team with a team that's absolute crap. Uh, and it's still the same first name, Matt, but this one's Matt Harvey coming off of Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, I just, I think people remember him in that amazing half of, ba- uh, half of baseball that he had and think that's going to be who he is. And I just, I would have to say prove it before you taking him as high as he's going to have to go. You're, I, I'm so glad that you brought up Matt Harvey. This is a trade. I wasn't expecting to talk about this, so if I stutter my way through it, forgive me. But uh, I play in a fantasy league. Uh, it's an international keeper league is the name of it, and there's 15 keepers per squad. And the general you know, thing that people do is they keep 10 to 12 veterans. Uh, it's pitching heavy. Good pitching is highly rewarded. And... Uh, you know, so guys, you know, mediocre pitchers end up getting keeper spots. And uh, I stashed Harvey on my DL as a keeper all of last season. And uh, that's kind of a tough thing to do when you're in a league where you only have, I think it's three DL spots. But, you know, you need those things for roster flexibility. But I kept him because I think that he, in that format, with all the with with the you know the extra bonuses and rewards for good pitching that you get in that league, you know, ten points per win and you know all the strikeouts that Harvey can get you, he was worth stashing. I just traded him probably about four days ago. Somebody offered me Matt Latos, Alexi Ramirez, and Jock Peterson to uh, for Matt Harvey, straight up. And out of those 15 keeper spots, if you if you keep 12 or 13 veterans, you're stashing a couple of rookies that you're hoping can break out. I also stashed uh, George Springer on the Astros in that exact in that same league, and I'm planning on doing the same thing because of this trade with Jock Peterson 
And shortstop in that league was my absolute weakest position. I think I had Jed Lowry, who was basically a giant suck hole of fantasy production last season. And uh, I think that I won that trade going away, even if Matt Harvey comes back and wins 22 games and gets to Cy Young. I don't think he will. I don't think the Mets are that good. But uh, I thank you for bringing him up. <laughs> Did I yeah, I, mean, I, I think me? there's a... There's a non-zero chance that Matt Latos is a better fantasy pitcher next year than Matt Harvey. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think his numbers are going to go up because, you know, Cincinnati, that's a hitter's ballpark. I mean, that's a matchbox. And he put up pretty good numbers for them. He's coming off an injury, so there's risk with Matt Latos, no doubt. But uh, moving to Miami. But he's also moved to a park that is as big as it gets down in Miami. Oh, gosh, yes. And and the thing is, the park is huge, and that could, you know – there's a thing about Coors Field in Colorado. They think that there's all these home runs there, and, you know, there are a certain amount of home runs. But a large part of the fact that the offense is so massive in Colorado is the giant outfield dimensions. There are more doubles hit in Coors Field and more triples hit than in any other park in Major League Baseball. And, you know, and, and Miami has similar dimensions out there. It's a huge outfield. But they've got guys that can chase the ball down. I mean, Christian Yelich is a is a fantastic outfielder. Marcelo Zuna, Giancarlo Stanton may not have a huge range, but they have excellent defense and throwing arms in that outfield. So you know those gappers are going to get chased down, and Matt Latos is not going to get hurt by that. You know he's not going to give up the long ball. That's been a little bit of a monkey on his shoulder in his career. So, you know guys that throw hard, he doesn't have a lot of movement on his fastball, but he does throw in the mid to high nineties. You connect on that, it's going to travel. So, you know, the home, but in that ballpark, the numbers are going to go down as far as home runs allowed. I think he's going to be, well, he's a risk because of the shoulder and the elbow, but, you know, I think that he's going to be a guy that, you know, wins that trade for me and uh, can probably help a lot of fantasy teams this season. Definitely. Now, we're getting a little bit low on time, so let's just quickly. Um, throw out a name and maybe one sentence as to a who you think is going to break out among starting pitchers this year. Oh, easy. Dallas Keuchel on, on uh, Houston Astros. Um, I think that he flew way far under the radar last season because their offense, you know, guys like Chris Carter and George Springer notwithstanding, uh, didn't produce a lot. You know, they were, they were not a good team. Uh, Jason Castro underperformed. They didn't score it. They didn't score enough. Um, but he's a guy that you know profiles very similarly, and I don't mean to place unfair expectations on on a guy by comparing him to a Hall of Famer. But he compares to a uh, poor man's Tom Glavin. Didn't strike out a ton of guys, but didn't give up a ton of hits either. And uh, he can throw a ton of innings. And if they score anything resembling a reasonable amount of runs for him, I think that he can you know win 15 to 17 games. He'll throw 230 innings you know, maybe 200 strikeouts. Uh, he's a guy that you can get way late. He's, and I think that this is the year that he has a career year. He's even a dark horse Cy Young candidate for me in the American League. Who do you got? Well, thank you for keeping that not even close to one sentence. Um, for me, it's Udano uh, Ventura. <laughs> I, I just think he's, he was so good last year, but I think he's got even more ahead of him. Uh, he's got fantastic stuff. Udano uh, Ventura is the guy for me. I quickly want to completely change uh, gears here in the last a couple minutes of this. I told you I had a question, a Rams quote that I wanted to get, uh, a St. Louis Rams quote that I wanted to get your uh, reaction to. 
You may not know what I'm going to be going on with this. But Les Snead recently had a press conference, and uh, when he was talking about his offense, he says, quote, I call it the 606 principle. A guy named Paul uh, Ehrlich, I think it took him 605 tries, and on the 606 try, he came up with a medication that cured syphilis at the time. Sam Snead, uh, Les Snead, sorry, compared the Rams' offense to syphilis. How do you feel about your favorite football team having a STD as an offense? I think that's a 100% perfect analysis by GM Les Snead. And I would like to say that I was not prepared for this question. Uh, for uh, for our listeners out there, Sean told me he was going to ask me my opinion on a Rams-related quote. That's all that I got. But uh, my response is simple. It's accurate. Um, as long, you know, and, you know, Jeff Fisher has his bonuses as a coach. You know, he, he gets the players in, involved mentally and motivated and, for the you know, for the large part, keeps them healthy apart from freak injuries, you know, gives the veterans days off to rest. But as far as, as, far as the offense goes, as long as he's the head coach, you know, it's going to take more than 606 tries. They need an inventive offensive mind to take the next step. A healthy Sam Bradford wouldn't hurt, but, you know, that's it, they're a disease on offense. They, they need to completely overhaul the philosophy and kind of model themselves after the Cowboys, build a great offensive line, spend, you know, overspend if you have to on offensive linemen and, you know, use high draft picks on guys, reach a little bit that can become serviceable and better offensive linemen. And then you can run the ball and then you can throw the ball. But, you know, this stuff about going to a spread offense and then going back and then a power run game with a finesse running back like Trey Mason is not – it, it doesn't make any sense. So if it's going to be 606 tries, Les Snead's not going to be the GM by the time it's all said and done. But, yeah, right now it's diseased, and they need penicillin. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful night. Good night, everyone. Thank you.